so business owners sometimes believe in what they want to believe in, but do they walk the talk when it comes to actually leading and running their business? Is customer satisfaction a number one priority? This is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike along with Luke Agri. And our guest today is John Formica. John is known as the ex-Disney guy as he was a former Disney leader and now a highly sought after international speaker and author of the top selling book, Making the Customer Experience Magical Now. As one of the world's foremost experts in the Disney philosophy, John has successfully helped businesses and professionals build customer loyalty for life, attract and keep more customers and build t- positive team environments. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm honored to be here, and thank you for all that you do to help those uh, small businesses out there. And uh, I am honored to be here to do whatever I can on my part to help them create a magical customer experience. John, man, we are excited to have you on the show. I'm excited because Disney is just such a... much bigger than that. Yeah, I know. It's such a massive, iconic company, super successful company, and a company that, you know, I want to talk about this podcast. We're going to talk about the client experience, but I mean, Disney is an incredible business. Mm. Like, they have made it over, you know, obviously hardships and a lot of different times to grow as a business. In fact, it was funny. I was thinking about Disney. My wife, she was given $1,000 by her grandfather at like 13, 14 years old. And the whole purpose was he wanted to teach her how to invest in the stock market. Well, one of the stocks she picked was uh, Disney. And let's just say Disney has done really well for her since, yeah, 13. (laughs) So if you've invested in Disney, man, you've done really well. But John, I would love to hear before we jump into how does Disney create a magical experience? How can our small business listeners apply that to their business? You know, I'd love to hear your background. How did you get into working with Disney? Share a little bit of your journey and what brought you up to today. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, my background is, guys, I spent over 30 years managing and supervising people in the service industry. So I basically grew up in my career in the service industry. I managed hotels, resorts, and assisted living communities around the country. Big companies like Hyatt, Hilton, uh, the Adams Mark Hotel chain, Sunrise Assisted Living. But most of my career was spent with that wonderful company down in Orlando, Florida. I used to help manage the hotels and resort properties for Disney. And how I got there was um, I was just one of those crazy nuts that wanted to grow as fast as I could in my career. And, and I worked for Hyatt Hotels and I asked my, uh, my general manager, how do I get your job someday? <laughs> and in fact, I wanted to be the youngest general manager that Hyatt Hotels ever hired. And uh, my boss told me that's not going to happen. But if I wanted to take the fast track, was to open up new hotels. Whenever mm. they would open up a new hotel, go on the task force and um, and get on board because you get to know the corporation, the corporate people get to know you. And if you don't screw up, it, it's going to be a positive experience. So I did that. I opened up five hotels for Hyatt. Wow. And lo and behold, out of nowhere, Disney comes calling and says, hey, we, we heard you open up hotels and you got a pretty good reputation. We're about to open up 16 brand new hotels and we're wondering if you'd like to come on board to help us. So when I got to Disney back in the mid to late 80s, we had four hotels and a campground. That was it. Wow. But we had 16 brand new hotels on the drawing board. And my role was to open up each of the new hotels, 
hire the staff, train the staff, but more importantly, create an experience at each one of the Disney hotels that would differentiate Disney from everybody else. So mm. I got to open up their pretty luxury properties. And, um, and I tell people I had some great success, but I don't think it's because I was a great manager. I just followed the system. And that's what I'll share today a little bit about how that system works and how that model works for any business out there as well. Wow. Well, I also think it was the willingness to say yes. I mean, so many people that we talked to where they got from a success standpoint was number one, they found what they wanted and they stated their intentions and said, I want what you have. How can I get there? And then number two, when the opportunity comes, make sure that you say yes. So let's talk about the Disney philosophy a little bit about it. What are some of the core principles or structure there that you've been able to pull from that organization, not only into running those 16 hotels and opening that up, creating an amazing experience there, but that other business owners can now apply in their businesses? Yeah, I think, you know, Walt Disney, one of my favorite mentors, uh, um, I grew up with Walt Disney and I got to learn a lot about him even before I even worked for Disney. And, um, you know, he said, if you dream it, you can do it. Mm. What, what a great quote, right? But, but what does it mean to the business owner? Well, if you think of most business owners, entrepreneurs, they have this big dream. They want to be a successful business owner or run a f- successful business or be successful in Whatever way you want to define it, whether it's income, whether it's prestige, whether it's serving others, whatever it might be. But what happens is with businesses, what Walt said, that's where it starts. And Walt built an incredible dream of making people happy. That was the purpose. And he said, I want to create the happiest place on earth and and fill it with happy people. And so he started with his purpose of making people happy. And the Disney philosophy is everything is tied around that philosophy. Mm. Everything. Decisions, the customer experience, the people you hire, uh, how you treat your staff. Everything is based around that. And what I found was so important with Disney, and again, growing up in the service industry and the hospitality industry, we all know about how to take care of people. The philosophy behind Walt Disney is that your purpose is more important than your job. Mm. In other words, as long as you're making someone happy, that takes precedent over you're actually doing your job. Wow. Because without making people happy, we won't have a job. And so business owners sometimes believe in what they want to believe in, but do they walk the talk when it comes to actually? leading and running their business. Is customer satisfaction a number one priority? I was just with a CEO a couple months ago and and he said, I said, he said customer satisfaction is absolutely our number one priority. And I said, then why was I on hold for 20 minutes mm. when I called your business? Ooh. Yeah. Right? See, it's his priority, no doubt, but is it everybody else's? And when you build a business, unless you're a solopreneur, you have to build a culture around Not what you do, what everybody else does. And then once everybody else knows what they do, you you let them roll. And Disney creates that environment where people want to do it, not feel like they have to do it. And and so that's where that begins to begin everything, I think. Yeah, you have to absolutely want it and it has to be your purpose. So what are some of the tactics or like the system, I guess, that you could go through from almost like a higher level standpoint? Like what what do you need to start going through in your business to ensure that those experiences are being created and then ultimately can be systematized? Hmm. Yeah, well, the three things that Disney does really, really well is they hire right, 
they train right, and they treat right. You do those three things, incorporating all the other things involved in what you want to accomplish, that's where the foundation is. However, when you want to create an experience, if you're a business owner, I'm a financial advisor, I'm an electrician, I'm a bookstore owner, whatever it might be, the first thing you have to figure out is what is it that you want to create? What kind of experience do you want to be known for? And so I always ask my clients this. I said, what are three things that you want your customers to say about you? Mm. What, what are they saying about you? Or what do you want them to say about you, right? And so we all want nice things to be said about us. Okay, so if you want those things, and so we list those things, then what behaviors are you doing? What have you incorporated in your customer experience journey that is going to allow people to say those things? Because just because you want them to say it doesn't mean they're going to say it, right? One of the things that Disney says, uh, like if you ask anybody that goes to Disney, tell me what you your experience with Disney, they're going to say things like their attention to detail was crazy, Right how they pay so much attention to detail. Well, Disney gets you to say that because they do specifically things on purpose to make you say that. One thing is, of course, how clean the parks and resorts are, right? Right, yep. People always ask, how do they get them to be so clean? Well, at Disney World in Orlando, Florida alone, this is pre-COVID and I'm soon it will happen post-COVID. There are over 75,000 employees that work there. It's the largest single one location employer. And guess what? All 75,000 are responsible for picking up trash. Wow. If you had 75,000 people picking up trash, it's a good indication that your place is going to be clean, right? That's incredible. I I had no idea. But it's so funny because my wife, when she went there, said that exact thing. Like their attention to detail and the cleanliness of the parks. It's so funny. And and making sure everything is maintenance. You know, the, the, the most... The, the highest amount of employees that work at Disney World in Orlando work the third shift. Really? Because third shift being, is, is that the late, that's the late night shift? Yeah, that's, yep. the third, that's from 11 to 7. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Yep. Because those are the people that are getting the park ready to go for the next day. Okay, wow. wow. Okay. They are repainting, they are planting, they are cleaning, they are changing light bulbs. They are doing everything they can to create an incredible on-stage performance. And that's what businesses have to look at their own business as an on-stage. I always tell people, it's showtime. That's a golden nugget. Are you ready? Yeah, no, that's such a golden nugget. Okay, so I I mean, man, I have so many questions I want to ask. Here's a question for you because I think it's super applicable even to myself is like, when you said you got to hire right, right? So you got to hire right, you got to train right, you got to treat right. But hire right, what do you look for in the people you hire in order to find the people who can put on that onstage performance, but also be willing to pick up the trash. That's right. Disney hires people to fill a role, not a position. Okay. The first thing you have to define is what role do you want the person to play? I'll give you a perfect example. If you're going to hire a security guard to work in the Magic Kingdom, I would imagine most people are going to hire someone with ex-military, ex-police, somebody with big, strong muscles, someone who looks the part of a security, has all the certifications and maybe those, right? All those things. And that's, that's important. But 99.9% of the time, 
what role is a security guard in the Magic Kingdom? And 99% of the time, they're not- Invisible. They're not security. They're a guest relations people. Yeah, they're helping. Yeah, Disney found out that they are the third most person that gets asked more questions than anybody else in the park. Wow. in their role, are they really security or are they a guest relations host or hostess? So they hire someone with a great personality, loves to make people happy, is excited about the opportunity to make someone happy, and then will find a little girl in the streets in the Magic Kingdom, will step up to her and ask her for an autograph, said, I thought you were a princess, so I wanted your autograph. That little right? detail is unbelievable. That, so, I mean, that is a golden nugget right there because of the little detail of doing that. So think about this. When you leave Disney, what's another thing you're going to say about your experience at Disney? Oh, everyone made me and my children feel special. Well, who did that? A security guard. You see what I mean? Yep. So you have to define the role that you want people to play. Once you define that role, they're out there. And I'll give you another example of how Disney... Hires for culture, okay? Before you fill out an application, before you apply for a job at Disney, you have to watch a video. And in the video, they're going to tell you that the sole reason why you would be chosen is to make people happy. (laughs) And you're going to work when other people play, which means you're going to work weekends, holidays, your birthday. You're going to work those hours. Mm. You're going to be picking up trash. You're going to have to dress appropriately because the grooming guidelines standard is way up here. And they go through all of the expectations. And what happens is, guys, 15% of the people don't even fill out an application. They leave. And Disney says, thank you. Doesn't mean that those people are bad people or won't be successful. It means they don't fit. Mm culture and the role that Disney wants to play. Where how many small business owners have sort of a culture, they hire someone and they think they're going to fit. Yeah, they're going to mold them into the culture. culture. Yeah. Yeah, so, so good. Yeah. Being willing to hold that line, the expectations, because you believe in culture over credentials or anything like that. And you hear that over and over again from really high level successful people is that you hire for that chemistry and that culture even more than the skill because you can teach people the skill. You can't really get them to fit personality wise. I would love to ask you just in terms of like, I think the struggle is when you're trying to create a great customer experience, you're trying to balance the economics, right? So the idea that you can just, you know, totally focus on making people happy. Well, making people happy might not make you a lot of money, right? That's the pain point, I think, for businesses. It's like they want to try to make the most cost-effective, highest quality customer experience. How does Disney balance that? How do they balance the, or how did you as a manager of the hotels balance the economics versus the client experience? Well, let me, let me share something with you with all due respect. The customer experience will make you more money. And you know how I can prove that? 86% of people will spend more money for a better customer experience. And how do I know that's true? Have you ever been to Disney? It is not cheap. But you (laughs) and I are willing to save our money, open up another credit card, right? Just because we're willing to pay for that experience. No different than my wife and I, when we go on vacation in the summer, we go to the beach, 
it cost me more money to have a beachfront ocean view house <laughs> so we can walk outside, we can sit on the balcony. But I go, honey, we can go three rows in and we can get a better deal. No, right? So people will spend more, but you have to give them an experience that they want, not what you think they want, mm. what they actually want. And that's where, when you find out what they want and, and customer experience is the new battleground where businesses are going to be won or lost. Because right now, yes, I get it. People look at price and they look at convenience, but they also look at what kind of experience do I get? And if I get a good experience, particularly if I'm a small business, you and I would rather support a small business who gives us a great experience than the than to support the big box stores and the big Amazon uh, gorillas because we feel we have that personal attention. They do what they say they're going to do. They're responsive. Um, we build trust. Those are reasons why we become loyal to a business and I'm willing to pay more for loyalty. And I always ask small business owners, do you have any clue what a lifetime um, revenue is on a loyal customer? Mm. Lifetime. And most people don't figure that out. They want the instant gratification. And most people focus on obtaining customers. And I get it. I'm a small business owner. We have to, we have to get um, you know, new customers. But what about the customers that we already have? What could we do to create an experience so great from them? They will do all our marketing. And I'll tell you right now, I spend probably 60% of my marketing is on my existing customers and 20% is out getting new customers. I love it. You are preaching my language, my man. I, I agree with you 100%. I think you hit the pain point on the head too, is that people just don't do it because it's not instant gratification. They right. literally just, they, they're they hoping for that instant new customer and they don't realize, man, all you need for your next deal is in your current client. Well, it's amazing. You actually answered my question before I was about to ask it. I was literally going to ask you that. So let me kind of play off of what you said there then. 60% of your marketing is spent on your existing client base in order or in hopes is strategically to have those happy clients bring in more clients. What are you doing? Like, where is that $60 going in order to maintain the relationship? Is it all in the experience? Are there other things you're doing to enable the referrals, do regular touch points with clients, et cetera? Do you want a larger presence on social media? Of course you do, because that's where your audience is. Check out Reminder Media's newest product, Branded Posts, specially designed to increase your presence on social media without increasing your effort. Choose from thousands of already written blog posts on topics your clients care about, like real estate, travel, and recipes. And the best part is, these are branded with your photo and contact information and ready to be shared. Plus, every two weeks, we'll send to your list of contacts a personally branded email newsletter filled with recipes, stories, and ideas that they will love to get. Visit ReminderMedia.com slash posts to see our newest digital product and start dominating your social media. That's ReminderMedia.com slash posts. Take action on this today. The three areas where you can touch a client and most people sort of neglect them. And one is before the sale. In other words, what are you doing to nurture the, the relationship uh, so that they feel like you are interested, not interesting, hmm. right? So when you're interested means you care about solving my problem. You're, you care about my event. You care about training my team. You care about my business. So 
I demonstrate that I care by doing a lot of things before the sale. And then during the sale, I create an incredible experience, whether it's uh, training, whether it's I'm doing a keynote on stage. I don't do death by PowerPoint. I'm throwing magic wands out in the audience. I got Disney figurines. Um, I am running up and down the stage. I want them to say, wow, right? Wow. And then after the sale, yeah, I don't just send a nice little email that says, hey, thank you, or card. I'll send them Disney gifts. That's I smart. Yes. All kinds of things. And the goal is I'm going to continue to do this, but I'm focusing on the experience before, the experience during, and the experience after. And that. so I'm constantly nurturing that so that I become that top of mind awareness, whether they hire me or not this time. Because, you know, if I do a keynote, lots of great speakers, I get it. But I don't want them, if I don't get it this year, you're going to get me next year. Mm. How long are you staying in touch with those people that you are continuing to nurture kind of after the performance, after the event? Uh, forever. forever. I have my, my CRM system obviously touches them. Um, but you know, I know who my, my clients are that I love and yeah. I want to maintain. So I'm constantly sending them things, books, uh, articles, uh, little gifts, little so things. Smart. I just keep doing that. Why? Because that's the magic behind Disney. And I just continue that philosophy in my own business as well. Think about I think about that whole philosophy in terms of like a real estate agent, for instance. I mean, like before you want to make sure that they know you're interested in them and not trying to be interesting. I think a lot of real estate agents, they hold back information. They want to hold and be the guard of the information mm-hmm. versus, you know, I think about the example we got from Jay Bear, I think it was, about yes. the guy yeah. who instead of you know, basically trying to go up against for sale by owners, people trying to sell their house on their own. He gave them all the ins- information yep. that all they the would need, need to sell, to sell the yourself. house by yep. themselves. Like he's a real estate agent, but goes, hey, if you want to do it by yourself, here's everything you need. I put it in a book for you. You can do it by yourself. He showed that he cared. Then you think about the transaction. Well, how does a real estate agent show during the transaction? Well, how can you go that extra mile? Man, what really impacted me and what you said, John, was like the security guard going up to the little girl in Disney and asking for the autograph. That little detail, making that person feel just like a million bucks. So you think as a real estate agent, man, there's so many ways you can do that. When you meet someone for the first time, when you're going to go show them homes, bring them their favorite cup of coffee from Starbucks. You know, find that out in your first conversation, bring that to them. It's unexpected. They would never expect a real estate agent to do that from them. That's something easy that you could do mm-hmm. to, you know, play that difference. And then after the transaction, you know, so many people after the transaction is done, here's what happens in small businesses is during the transaction, it's over communications, communicate, 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 and in trying to get the deal, communicate. And then after the deal's done, you never hear from them again. Or maybe you hear once a year on your birthday. Just having that consistency of touch point and following up and then offering, like I heard one person when they followed up as a real estate agent, two things they did is one, they bought pizza for the client on move-in day, right? Because now you don't have to worry about the meal. So they got pizza. And then the second thing is offering their Rolodex of professionals. So contractors, electricians, plumbers, but it wasn't just offering, it was if you need a plumber, if you need a contractor, which they knew based upon selling the house, I'll schedule this for you. Like nice. I'll take yeah, care of the, yeah, yeah the like concierge service. Yep. And so that is just how you could play it out literally in your business as a real estate agent, applying that before, during, and after sale. And I always say, how do you create raving fans? It's doing the unexpected. I mean, you, that's, that's how you get bad reviews too, 
is you did the unexpected. They expected great service and they got poor service. They went and write a bad review. They're a <laughs> raving the right bad fan. Yeah. yeah, you got to do the unexpected to create a raving fan that really raves about you. Yep, yeah. absolutely. So yeah. John, we got to ask you, man. So last question for you here is knowing what you know now and the journey you've been on, what would you go back and tell younger John, 15 years old, 16 years old? What advice would you give? I, I, I work with a lot. I mentor a lot of college students and high school students. I love speaking at universities. And what I tell them is, is to find a mentor. Find somebody that you can bounce things off of. It doesn't have to be your boss. It doesn't have to be your, your coach or whatever. But find someone who's actually... It has the best interest in him, of course. Because I think, I know my problem is I thought I knew it all and I could learn it all. And boy, if I would have asked, asked some people, my learning curve would have been a lot faster and I wouldn't have made all the mistakes I made in my life. But, you know, we look back and we go, what, a, what an idiot. Why, why did I do that? Why did I take that job? Because I thought that would be the best thing, right? Get a mentor, find someone who can help you uh, I think those things are really, really important um, in growing in all kinds of things. You know, how to dress for an interview, how to study for an interview, um, what what to do on the first six months of your job. You know, mm-hmm. there are things that they don't know who to ask, so they ask their buddy, who says, you know, what's why do you have to dress up? Just wear shorts. They don't really care. It, it's going to be in the computer anyway, right? You just sit there and you go, what do you think? Right? <laughs> so, so those are things that uh, I think if I would have done earlier on in my career, I did it later on in my career. I did that in trying to become a speaker and a coach. And uh, boy, I ate a lot of tuna fish out of a can of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And my wife wondering, when am I going to get a real job? And uh, I finally got a coach and someone who can help me run a speaking training business not to be a better speaker mm. not to have you know how to write a book or just to be a better run a speaking business once i figured that out boy you know things happen so that'd be one thing i would certainly mm. share with the younger generation incredible john thank you so much for coming on today and sharing all of your expertise that you've learned over the years before we close out let people know how they can connect with you i know you've got a new book coming up so anything that you want to offer to anyone uh in terms of that Sure. You can, anybody can go to my website, which is just johnformica.com. Um, sign up. I give out three free training videos. Free. They're like six to eight minutes long. Just sign up. It talks a little bit of that Disney model and some of the things you can do right away in your business. Go ahead and do that. And then you get on my newsletter, which is a great way of, uh, I share Disney strategies and Disney tips once a week. Uh, share with your staff, think about as a business owner, how can I do this better? I'm sure the way of doing that, you can certainly contact me any other way. Uh, my book, Making the Customer Experience Magical Now, How to Succeed in Business and Beat Out Your Competition. It's basically a business success model. And then soon to come out, would be my business. My book, If Disney Made Your Business, What Would That Look Like? So uh, again, I'm grateful for this opportunity, guys. Thank you very much. All those people out there, those small business owners, I'm with you all the way. You are the, the heart and soul of our economy. And I want Amen to wish you to that. the best. But- 
Awesome, That's awesome. John. Thanks again. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll include those links that John mentioned over in the show notes at staypaidpodcast.com as well. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you show your support by heading on over to Apple Podcasts, drop us a five-star review along with a comment to let us know what you thought of the show. And the best way to help out the show and show support is to tell a friend about this episode. If you want to get hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast.remindermedia.com. And of course, you can find us on Instagram as well. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, and I'm Luke Acre. What an incredible interview. I want to get that book. Just imagine if Disney ran your business. I think that is such a that. great title. I can't wait to read that book. I'm really looking forward to it. Here's my action item for everybody who's listening to this, because you know we want to boil down the episodes to something you can literally take action on to change your business. I want to challenge you. Do you know the three things that you would want your clients to say about you? Have you thought about that? Have you actually taken the time to write that down? And even take it this far, if you are in the business and you have past clients, call them up and ask them what they would say about you. Your best consultant is your past clients. They're going to tell you what they loved and what they hated, right? What are the three things you want your clients to say about you? And are you committed to those things? Remember the difference between top producers and mediocre producers in every single industry is top producers take action. Take action on that today. 